What is your name? Rollins asked. Michael, the man said slowly, still obviously dazed and in a great amount of pain. He had blue eyes, short strawberry blonde hair, and a goatee. Where are you coming from, Michael? I just killed everyone. Rollins was taken aback by the response, but maintained his composure and professionalism. What do you mean by that? Rollins asked. It's obvious, Michael replied. I just killed everyone. Officer Joseph York from the Northampton Police Department was the first to arrive at the scene of 1917 Lincoln Avenue. It was 4.50 p.m., just three minutes after a call had gone out over the radio about a disturbance involving a stabbing at that address. York was one of twelve full-time police officers and six part-time officers, in the department covering a borough of just over two and a half square miles, where reported stabbings were hardly a common occurrence. York pulled onto Lincoln Avenue with his white patrol car, the siren blaring, the word Northampton printed in red letters along the side of the vehicle, Just a block away from a series of blue-collar row homes, the 1900 block of Lincoln consisted of nicer middle-class townhomes. Number 1917 was one half of a relatively large double atop a small grassy hill, with a brick front porch and tan siding on the upper half of the house beneath a peaked roof. The windows had white trimming, and boxes containing an assortment of colorful flowers sat along the edges of the porch. Rows of neatly trimmed bushes ran alongside the front of the home, which was accessible on either side by concrete walkways leading up to a set of steps on both sides of the porch. Several people were staggering around the front yard as York stepped out of his police cruiser. Most of them were screaming. Among the crowd was Janet Zernhelt, a 54-year-old woman who said she lived in 1915 Lincoln Avenue, the other half of the twin home. She was nearly hysterical with panic and difficult to understand, but she indicated to York that her husband was inside 1917 and had been hurt badly. Help him! Help them! She kept shouting. Help them! York ordered the people to stay put and wait for him to assess the scene. They would have to be interviewed later, but for now York had to find out exactly what he was dealing with. He rushed up the steps on the 1917 side of the porch where a small brick wall separated the two halves of the twin home. A bicycle that looked small enough for a young teen lay in a heap in the corner, next to a black metal table and set of patio chairs. York's eyes were immediately drawn to the blood. A trail of red droplets stained the porch floor in a tiny path leading from the front door toward the steps. It was a light drizzled pattern, almost like someone had flicked a line of red paint with a brush onto the floor and it stopped before it reached the stairs, as if somebody had started to leave that way from the front door but doubled back inside. A screen door was closed, but the front door was wide open, and York, who had probable cause to enter the house due to the blood, opened the screen door and stepped inside. The front door opened into a living room area with a television sitting on a brown wooden stand in the corner and a red and black plaid couch across from it behind a wooden coffee table. The carpet, like the porch, was stained by a trail of blood, and a pair of legs was just visible, sticking out beneath the couch and the coffee table, which had been knocked askew.
York rushed over and found the body of a man curled on his left side almost in a fetal position. His arms folded atop each other in front of him, the fingers from his right hand outstretched as if he were trying to shake someone's hand. His bloodied face, which bore a brown mustache and light stubbly beard, lay in a grape-colored puddle of blood on the carpet. Wearing a white t-shirt and pair of black athletic shorts, the man had been stabbed repeatedly and was covered in blood, with deep stains especially around his face and down the back of his shirt below the neck. The tip of his left thumb was completely severed from the hand. Some plastic children's toys lay on the floor next to him. Aside from the screaming of the people standing outside, York could hear very little within the home except what sounded like a television set in a room deeper inside. York stood and walked toward the next room, a dining area accessible from a large open doorway. Painted on the wall above that doorway was an inscription in black letters that read,